Hi folks, Professor Chetlin here and welcome to Office Hours Summer Sessions. For the next few weeks as we enjoy our summer break, Office Hours will release a podcast every other week and we're focusing on things that we can learn, whether it's how to be an adult, life in Appalachia, or study abroad, Office Hours Summer School will provide a little bit of enrichment as you relax from the school year. Hi, my name is Marcia Chatlin. I'm a professor of history at Georgetown University, but more importantly, I'm the host of Office Hours, a podcast. This is an opportunity to get a window into my world where I talk to students about the things that are most important to them. So please join us for Office Hours for the things we don't talk about in class. Today on the podcast, I talked to Junior Jenna Clifford about hometown roots. How are you, Jenna? Doing well. How are you? Good. What have you been up to this summer? I am coordinating um, PEP, so it's a pre-orientation program run through the Georgetown Scholarship Program. Very exciting. And what other fun stuff are you doing this summer? I'm trying to to seep through some podcasts, (laughs) maybe get out in D.C. Yeah. What is it like to be here on campus in the summertime? It's different. It's weird not to be so busy, like, all the time and to have, like, 100 people running by you at once. I think, like, I can walk around campus a little easier. Um, But I also, it's a little weird in that, like, I have free time and, like, there isn't a thousand things going on and that's really different. Students freak out with the free time. Yeah. um, Because it's, you want it so badly, but you don't know what to do with it. Um, Is this the first summer you've been away from home? No. um, Last summer, I spent a month in India um, interning. And then the summer before, actually, I was here for the Community Scholar Program. Okay. So one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because um, you were in my civil rights class, and I think you came to office hours to talk about an assignment, but I get really distracted. So I was like, so where are you from? And so you're from the great state of Maine, Mm -hmm. and um, but not necessarily the Maine that appears in the tourism catalog. So um, the kind of quaint bed and breakfast lobster bay <laughs> Maine. You're like, you have the look on your face like, no, real Maine. So tell me about growing up in Maine. Yeah, um, so growing up in Maine, I think it's like, it's pretty average for like what, what I, I always thought I was living the average life. Like mm-hmm. I never had any idea like that it wasn't, I mean, at least at Georgetown, it's no longer average. It's probably still is average mm-hmm. in like a general society. But um, yeah, like I remember like, my parents always expected me to go to college, but I never, like, really pictured going to college. Like, mm-hmm. I never had, like, a clear idea that I would go, or more so that I would go out of state. Like, I live right next to Bates College, kind of close, mm-hmm. and I always remember driving by and thinking, like, oh, wow, that, like, is such a cool life that will never be accessible to me. Like, not that, like, anyone ever told me that, but I just, I never even thought it was an option. What do you think, like, what signal that? Is it because Bates was fancy or it seemed, like, yeah. expensive? Fancy, expensive. Um, no one in my family's ever gone to college, so I just really had no idea what I was doing. Like, um, my high school, like, people went to college, but, like, maybe one went to, like, a year went to, like, a competitive school, maybe four went to the University of Maine, like, Orono, and then maybe like 10 others went to the UMaine school system. At least that's what it seemed like. Like a small percentage of each mm-hmm. class would go, but they wouldn't really go very far. It would be like somewhere within the realm of like two hours. And so when when you thought about college, did you watch it on TV and movies or what did you think? Because I think um, 
going to such a competitive school. So it's like, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go to a super competitive, really expensive elite school. That's like zero to a hundred. And so I'm just, I'm just always curious what the, you know, what they call the college going culture is of your town. Yeah. Um, so the culture, I think when I started high school is like something that I was very aware of. Um, and it was essentially that because our school was old and falling down, our futures kind of mirrored. That's so depressing. (laughs) That's like, I, I used to say a little more articulate. I like talked a lot to like my, the students at my school and say like, I would say just because like our gym is really old doesn't mean that like we don't have a future. And I guess like maybe those things don't line up when you're saying it, but like it just seemed like because we go to this, like school that's like not nearly as nice like infrastructurally as these schools like neighbor like that neighbor us like the schools that my friends from Maine at Georgetown go to those are like the, oh, the quaint the lobster towns we always joke like oh they go to like Falmouth and Yarmouth and like I'm like up the river in Lisbon mm-hmm. um but like it stand like it's pretty like a standard town like a uh, good like boosters program footballs like the Friday night thing oh that my you gosh. do can I tell you no one's relating to this <laughs> <laughs> this is a I mean this is a kind of vision of America that people say don't exist anymore okay and like boosters club and like Friday night lights that that's something that's in movies that's but you're telling me that like this is America I mean I don't that's the only America that anyone in my town knows like it, I mean I don't want to make a generalization mm-hmm. but like I I definitely found that my high school, like, the world didn't re- doesn't really exist beyond my county. Like, it does, and especially now with, like, all of the technology we have, like, of course, like, we, we're aware of, like, there there's a greater world out there, but, like, I found for my peers, and especially when I was starting school, that it, it didn't really seem like the future extended much farther than the county. Like, you're, ex- not that, like, I wouldn't want to say it's, like, like the movie plot, but, like, the expectations generally is that you, like, you find your high school boyfriend, you marry them, you maybe get, like, an associate's degree, or you, like, get a degree that's going to put you at a school or, um, like, a job somewhere in town. And that's, like, the extent, that's kind of the norm. And that's the good norm. Like, because... That's the best case scenario. Yeah, because if you don't end up, like in a relationship when you're that young or, like, if you drop out of high school or you just don't get into a job, like, or you become pregnant or something, like, that's, like, the... that You you failed. Like, that's kind of the impression I got. So in terms of kind of what your world looked like, so you always grew up in the same town Mm -hmm. in Maine. What's your town called? Lisbon. Lisbon. So you've always grown up in Lisbon. Mm -hmm. And are your parents from there, too? Yeah. So this is actually interesting. Um, The, like, few weeks I had between Georgetown, um, like, the semester and coming back here, I was home with nothing to do, and I did my Ancestry.com trial. Oh, did you? (laughs) And I followed all of, like, the lines that I could back in, like, the two weeks that I had for free. And fascinatingly enough, like, literally every line that I followed dates back to the 1600s pretty much in my county. Wow. So, like, I'm a white girl that's, like, really, really, really white. Like, I, like, have not left, (laughs) like, since England. Like, So this is interesting. So the rootedness, right, Mm -hmm. is so much part of the identity. But what – so knowing that, like, this is where you belong, when did you start to think to yourself, maybe I should leave or maybe I need to see a different part of the world? So pretty quickly, like um, like my, that freshman year when I saw like the, the attitudes at my school saying like we're from Lisbon, we can't go anywhere. Like there was this running joke that um, at sports games because everyone played sports in high school. That's the only thing there was to do. Um, Liz, like you knew it, Lisbon has arrived because we couldn't make a circle. Like that was like our inside joke. It was like something that I mm-hmm. think like boosted morale between us because it like 
it's like one of those just like self-hating jokes yeah. that like wasn't very like good. Um, so I like knew that I wanted to get rid of that. Like I was like, no, this doesn't make sense. Like I had great teachers, like well-educated teachers that like really pushed me. And I was like, I need my like peers to see this. And I was like super interested in like the idea that like I was like a little girl that could change the world. And like I was like, look at education in these other countries, like and how important it is. And like it's the same here. Like the cycle of poverty exists the same way in this town as it does in any other place around the world obviously to different like scales but I wanted to show them that from the beginning and so when I got so engulfed in that like mission to show them I kind of like went down my own path just in like being passionate about that so like saw a lot of my friends like getting in like serious relationships at a young age or like starting like to do drugs or just like being involved in things that like too young like just distracting like taking them off the path is like the way I always saw it and so I was like well I definitely don't want to go on that path and like I want to do whatever I can to like leave the school better so that my like friend like those who would have been my friends like four years later like wouldn't end up like just kind of falling into that cycle which I think a lot of people do. So do you think that the one of the main things about the town you're from is that so it seems like there is this kind of insularity. Yeah. Um, are, do people work in the same industry all the time? I, I would imagine yeah, so those days are over. Historically, we were a mill town. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, the, the Lisbon that my grandparents tell me about is nothing like the town we live in today. Like, they had, like, a baseball stadium at one point, And they had, like, a main street. And our main street is, like, the type of American main street that's dead. Like, no mm-hmm. one's really on it anymore. Um, so... I, there isn't, like, a main industry. I think a lot of our families are working class, um, low income. There's a, a big population, but not, like, incredibly low. In- like, I mean, you know, there's some disparity, but there's not, like, it's either your lower middle class or your, like, lower, lower working class. Um, but standard of living is still, like, pretty, sa- like, similar in Maine. Um, so I don't think our communities had any, like, very, like, outwardly, like, visual problems, um, but it was just sort of, like, the, your parents go to work all day, like, you get a job as soon as you turn 16 kind of thing. And you were telling me that you've had a lot of jobs. <laughs> I have had a lot of jobs. <laughs> and so the culture of work, um, when you're 16, you're working at the grocery store, yeah. you're working at the local community, how did you, how did you balance that? So you have this, like, overwhelming, clearly a lot of determination, yeah. Um, are you the first person from your high school to go to Georgetown? Um, I think, like, way back when I heard that there was one person, when I was telling teachers that I wanted to go to Georgetown, um, I think maybe, like, my town, my, the demographics of my town might have been different, um, like, a, a ways back, because it sounded like there's a like, two people went to Harvard once upon a time, but nothing in, like, the nearsighted future or past can I see any, like, do I have any role models that um, really went anywhere? So when you, so, like, so you're at, work at the grocery store mm-hmm. and is there ever a part of you you think like this could just be my life um I thought like I think being working at the grocery store was like enough fuel to be like I do not want to do this for the rest of my life like absolutely not like I don't, honestly like I see I worked so the reason I was able to pull this off was sort of that like because I was an overachiever I was like in and out of my guidance counselor's office like in tears every day being like I need this to work better like I need classes that like I would like to take like there aren't APs here like I was just so frustrated with the system um that I like ended up working it and by the end of like senior year or by the end of high school um I was homeschooling myself so I would go to work in the day and I would do my classwork on the side um like on the internet 
Yeah, I was. Wait, I've got I, so many questions. I had two online AP classes, okay. which was like awesome and it worked really well for me. Um, and then I was taking a class at Bates College and a class at the University of Southern Maine. And I somehow got my school to like offer me a van driver named Jerry who would take me back and forth. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. This is why I love these conversations. What are you talking about, Jenna? Okay, so here you are, a high school student, yeah. and you're like, this isn't working for me. Yeah. I need to make it work. So so you were working at the grocery store, mm-hmm. and then some guy named Jerry in a van. Yeah, in a van. Like a really creepy van. <laughs> is picking up and taking you where exactly? He's taking me to the, um, well, the junior year he took me to the, the next city over Lewiston, um, their mm-hmm. high school for an AP class. Um, and then senior year he took me to Bates because they had an honor pro- honors program for call it like college-seeking high school youth or whatever. So I got into that, and like I somehow got the school to get me Jerry, get me Jerry, because I had my own car and stuff. But like my parents were concerned about the amount of gas money that, and like I mean I was saving my own money, so that would be an expense like to have to commute. Um, plus, like it wouldn't be safe for me to get to class in the winter, like all of you that. You are an amazing person, seriously. <laughs> I I, mean, I have a lot of good luck. <laughs> like, I have heard a lot of stories. This one like is in the top ten of <laughs> of just the kind of way that you're able to figure stuff out. I work the system. <laughs> I really do. That's how I've had so many jobs here. Is like, so I think I like. So I had that ingrained in my mind. Like I work. Like my fa- my brother works like way more than I do because like he's a boy and he gets to do the landscaping stuff, which is like a point of contention. But um, like I have to work. Like I just I had really bad anxiety actually at the beginning of this year um, because I had gone to India this summer and gotten really sick, and then I couldn't work all summer. Um, like I just physically like wasn't able to work my full shifts at the grocery store, like pushing carts and stuff. So I came back to Georgetown and. Um, this is funny. I like fell back into the high school trap that I've been trying to run away from. I got back with my high school boyfriend. So Ooh, this yeah. is intriguing. So I'm in your class actually at this time and I'm saving up money all the time so I can travel back to Maine to see him. And I'm like, don't have as much of a savings because I just blew it all summer. Um, Cause I've been like building, like I've been trying to have a steady income for as long as like mm-hmm. I have been able to. So I like started to have panic attacks um, and I like, I go to caps now and like all of that. And it's worked out really well, but like, I, like, never realized that this is such, like, I have, like, a new appreciation for economic security, and, like, even if it's, like, a small thing, like, my job at Clyde's this summer, like, even if it was short-lived, um, like, waitressing gave me so much respect for, like, what I was calling my mom saying the working man. Like, I can't imagine being a laborer all day if, like, I can't, like, carry trays of food around for eight hours straight without, like, being exhausted. So, you just said so much, and it's all (laughs) so fascinating. So... You have this, so you are the strategist. Like, your parents didn't come up with this idea of, like, getting a school district to give you transportation. So you've got these strategies, and they're really good. And you you got yourself to India to have this experience. And then this is really interesting because I think so much of um, this idea of class mobility and educational mobility is so tied to gender Mm -hmm. that on some levels, I think girls learn how to do this in a really efficient way because they feel like it's all or nothing. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, there's all of these like cultural and societal forces that will try to ruin it for you. Yeah. And so this idea that like you get 
back together with your high school boyfriend. That mm-hmm. makes sense, right? But it was all, it was sort of like, it was an identity crisis. Interesting. Like, I had a more. lot of anxiety about it because it was something that I said I would never do. Mm. Like, he's like one of my best friends still to this mm. day, but like, I left my town, like coming to Community Scholars, and I was like, this is something that, like, so my best friend is my cousin, of course, Maine. Um, <laughs> and we're the same age. Um, I have a twin brother, like, obviously same age. So, like, I so often, like, compare our experiences so my best friend has been dating her high school boyfriend for five years and I'm like love her understand what why she's like in this relationship and I think it's really healthy but like that was something I was like I'm never gonna do that like that's not what I want what did it represent to you it just the complacency like the Mm -hmm. small town cycle and I was like and I like always feel bad to say that out loud because of course like it makes sense for her but like I never saw that as my life I was like I wanted to get rid of that cycle and like my twin brother is like in Maine and doing what's right for him but like even that's like a point of contention because like he's going to the University of Maine I'm here I went to India he's working a landscaping job so like that in itself is just like a clash it's like do you feel like it's hard to talk about what you're doing with them because it seems unrelatable. Absolutely, yeah. Like I feel, I feel guilty. Like, um, so my aunt lives. My mom and my aunt are twins, and they live with me. Wait, and <laughs> they're twins. Yeah, and then you guys are twins. Yeah, weird family. My dynamic. husband's a twin too. Oh wow, crazy. This is interesting. Um, but I just so I feel so guilty because I talk to my mom and my aunt almost every day, and. Like, they're so supportive. I wouldn't be anywhere I am now, like, without my mom's support. Like, she was the one that told me I could go to college and stuff in the beginning and, like, never questioned it. Whereas, like, my dad called me up and was like, why aren't you applying to community college? And I was like, dad. (laughs) But um, anyway, so I feel guilty because, like, my mom and my aunt, like, have worked really hard their whole lives and obviously gotten me to where I am. But, like, they had not nearly the same amount of opportunities when they were young. Like, they were in high school and would have to take the bus home. Like, they couldn't play sports, even though, like, my mom was recruited by the track coach and stuff. But they just, like, couldn't afford, like, my grandmother couldn't bring them back and forth. So they just didn't have opportunities. They just couldn't do it, yeah. Yeah, and, like, they could have, my mom could have gone to college. Like, she's so smart. And she worked, so she started um, working at the law office across from the street from her high school. Like, as soon as she turned 16. Yeah. And she's client, so she's stiff with the law office as a secretary. And now she's like moved her way all the way up to the federal court. And she's a secretary there without ever having gone to college. Um, so, like, she's clearly like, it's like, I don't know. Everything's coming so much quicker and easier for me. Like, I have a best friend from Israel here, and I spent Easter break with her family in Israel. And my family's never even, like, left the country aside from, like, going to, like, Caribbean, the Caribbean for anniversaries. So, like, I have had so many opportunities to do these things that no one in my community has ever, ever even thought of, nor, like, did I ever dream of, like, two years ago that I would be able to do these things and, like, in the short amount of time that I have. So when you think about, like you as the you know high school senior who wants this so badly mm-hmm. what are some of the things that when you finally got to the place you wanted to be what was weird or what was unexpected about it yeah so um a lot is weird georgetown <laughs> is just a weird place um i think it was weird to get here and to not be done with the competitive like not the competitive but the run like the idea that you get here and then there's like you apply to clubs and stuff which i think is georgetown exclusive and like silly um but i had no idea that that was coming and then like i had no idea that my peers at least like were going to be coming from like other perspectives in a sense that they wouldn't understand my own because I thought mm-hmm. I was average I thought I was the norm so like I came for scholars I'm the only white girl in the whole program mm-hmm. and like we're talking about like 
the like white supremacy and like racial oppression mm-hmm. and like systematic like educational disadvantages and I'm like yeah these all make sense but like where do I fit yeah and that um, must be really unusual because community scholars is a program we have here for first generation college students mm-hmm. and when you kind of like aggregate for race and location, there are very few white students in the program from rural places. Yeah. And so how did you find the way to fit into that community? Um, so I have, so, okay, this is, like, terrible of me, maybe, but, like, coming from Maine, I didn't realize I was the only white girl until we started talking about it. Like, I'm pretty tan, so, like, I didn't even have a clue, but I was going to all of these, like, like, um, events, and then they started, like, joking with me, and I was, like, my friends, and I was like, oh, like, you're Mexican? I didn't know. Like, I had no idea, and then everyone, like, can speak Spanish, and, like, they were all great, and I had a good time in the program, and it was really great for me, and, like, I'm lucky to have been a part of it, but, like, at one point, my RA told me it was going to be my job to bridge the minority community and the white community at Georgetown. No pressure. And I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know how you expect me to do that, and I, like, myself couldn't really see the divide yet, and I was wondering why they were drawing this divide for me and for my friends, because didn't seem like the best way to start the school year knowing that we were going to be separated and then meanwhile like I'm not going to be separated is what I was being told and I guess like now that I've been at school for a few years I can kind of see it but um like one one moment stands out in particular I was in my gender studies class like my intro to gender studies class and we were doing the debate on the wage um, gap, mm-hmm. and you were assigned the side of the debate that you wanted to argue. And so, granted, like these girls didn't really believe that like there is no wage gap, but they made the argument that there wasn't because they were assigned to, and their um, support for the argument was that everyone has a choice. And they were like, everyone can, has a choice to be an engineer if they really put their mind to it. And so I raised my hand, and I was like, if you're 18, your husband's in Vietnam, you have three kids because you just had twins that you weren't expecting, you don't have a form of birth control, and your parents get you out of the house, do you have the choice to be an engineer? And, like, granted, that was a really unfair thing of me to ask, but the girl, like, looked at me so confused and was like, that's, that's like, a hypothetical, unreal situation. And I, like, wanted to cry. I was like, that's my grandmother. <laughs> like, so, like, I've just, I've come across that a lot where I've been in trainings and people have looked at me and, like, the question's been asked for us to reflect on how our, like, how did we get to college? And everyone looks and they, like, look at me and they're like, oh, well, obviously we just chose where we want to go to school. And I just, like, fume. I'm like, I did not choose where I wanted to go to school. I had no idea I would end up here. And so I think, like, not that this is anything to complain about, but often I struggle with, like, people making assumptions about my, class, my like, social class and, like, the opportunities that I had to get here. And, like, all, like my, I, of course, have privilege. Like, I definitely have privilege. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't always, like, even know. Like, like, if I go to restaurants with my friends and we split the bill and then, like, I got the $6 thing on oh the menu. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jenna, look, we can't have this conversation because I'm going to spin out of control. Yeah. The splitting the checks, you get mm-hmm. to an age where you stop dining with people. <laughs> when you're my age, no yeah. one invites you out and you don't go out anymore. It's like I had a glass of water and a dinner yeah. roll mm-hmm. that's $72. Exactly. So you hear me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that this is an interesting way of thinking about um, about a weird ideas of privilege because if you tell someone, I'm from Maine and I go to Georgetown, there is a picture of what your life is before you got here that is inaccurate. Yeah. Um, And on the other hand, I think that there is a way where um, 
by virtue of where you're coming from, you are in spaces that a lot of white students just aren't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, working, for instance, with the Georgetown Scholarship Program, Mm -hmm. which I think is a more diverse community, but it's also about um, figuring out a class identity at a school like this, right? Yeah. Um, When you were growing up, did you feel economically disadvantaged? Absolutely not. Um, Mm -hmm. So... Like my mom, like I, so I mainly grew up with my mom. My parents are divorced, mm-hmm. but I have a relationship with my dad. Um, but like my mom, I think my mom, like unintentionally instilled this fear of money in me, or not so much like of spending money. So mm-hmm. that's like why I kind of got really anal when I came here and was really anxious. Like I can't spend money, or I need to save. Um, but like she would like often say like like. It was never that I couldn't afford, like, I always had everything I needed, yeah. and, like, I was always on the same page as my classmates, but it was never excessive. Like, I knew I wasn't, like, I could point to the kids in my class that were wealthy, and I wasn't them, and not that they were even wealthy in Georgetown standards, mm-hmm. but I always had what I needed, but I didn't understand until I got here that, like, so, first of all, I didn't know there was any such thing as a first-generation college student before mm-hmm. I came to Georgetown. I was like, isn't everyone, or at least, like, mm-hmm. most people. Um, so then I got here, and I was like, not only am I that, but I'm low-income, like, like, which, like, it makes sense. Yeah, like, I have a single parent. She has two kids. Like, yeah, I'm low income. And, like, I see my financial aid and I'm like, damn, like, <laughs> I must be really low income. Um, but, like, given that and given, like, my upbringing now, like, if GSP offers to, like, help me pay for something, I had to, like, at first convince my mom, like, oh, it's okay. Like, they have this money available for me. Like, that's what it's for. And my mom's like, no, like, we work so that we don't, like, need help. And I'm like, I kind of look back and I think, like, I maybe could have taken, like, the SAT again or I maybe could have taken other tests because we probably maybe would have applied for, um, been, like, a qualified for those for, waivers. For, like, a waiver or something. But we had no idea, and that's something that my mom never would have sought out. And so I just kind of wonder, like, maybe I could have done, like, even more had we had the knowledge that, like, that those resources were available. Well, I think that this is an interesting thing because one of the conversations we had... Um, last year was about wanting to like talk to people from your high school mm-hmm. about what's possible yeah. and you were really excited about it but there's a real hesitancy yeah how do people treat you when you go back home so I think like as far as my my like class um it was difficult there was some like I remember one like heartbreaking day where my mom kind of got like stigmatized by the soccer moms <laughs> because That's they so couldn't sad. believe that she was letting me apply to like schools like Bowdoin and stuff because like of course I wasn't going to get in and like granted I can see where they're coming from is like it probably looked like I was a little stuck up like think thought I was all that but like I was doing it like I was applying to those schools because I really wanted like their daughters to apply to those schools like I really like so many people like I am like no exceptional like knowledge like I am just like an average like IQ I'm sure like all of that I just like wanted it and so I was like how do I get everyone else to want it like they'll clear they can be here as well like they can have all these opportunities so um, that was really hard. Like dealing with people on my own like age was hard. Now when I go back, um, I I always have like an amazing time. Um, I I substitute taught in May. Did um, you really? <laughs> yeah, and I had like students that I didn't know poking into my classroom, and they're like, "Hey Jenna, like how's it going?" Like, and there I don't just one boy was like, "I want to go to college," and I was like, "Okay, please do like send me your stuff if you need any help." And it's kind of like 
I'm feel like I'm still breaking the the barrier because I go in and talk like maybe like nine times every like break that I have. Like I just try to get into as many classrooms as I can, and I share like this long story about how I like went to Ghana to build the school to show my community that we needed a school, and like the man on my school board told me little girls can't lift bricks, and I'm like, look, like here I am, I lifted bricks, like this is my picture, but now I'm at Georgetown, um, and I think they're taking me more seriously, but it's still like a hurdle where like how do how can I get them to see themselves as being in my footsteps because of course we all have different circumstances and like I don't know what their home lives are like but I like um this winter break I like posted on my community Facebook page and was like if anyone needs help tutoring or like with college apps like I would love to help and I got like one inquiry which was like helpful and it was math and I couldn't really help but like I'm trying and I just I like wonder and I'm constantly thinking about like how do I like get in there and do more but I think like, just, like, being friends with, like, the freshmen on Facebook and ha- letting them, like, not letting them, but, you know, so they can see what I'm doing. Like, I'm just trying to be as present as possible to show them, like, this, like, it really is something you can do and, like, anything. It doesn't have to be Georgetown. Like, if you think community college or a vocational school is what you want to do, like, at least, like, do it 100%, you know? Um, one of the things you talked about, people getting kind of caught into the cycle of early relationships Mm -hmm. and, you know, tethering themselves to those. Um, You talked about drugs, and I was wondering if, um, you know, Lisbon is one of the towns that people talk about on the nightly news, like, about the heroin epidemic and the abuse of prescription medications. Is that something that was really present in your community that you noticed? So, um, like, I think from like a like visually I don't think that it's something that you really see but I know like from my mom works at the court so I know that this stuff's going on to like some extent but it's not something I think you go to school and you're like worried like oh like or that you even know like oh his mom's like a crack addict like Mm -hmm. you don't it's not like it's not in your face but I definitely think my town is suffering from that um I think most of like the the younger kids like in my high school it's mainly like marijuana which Mm -hmm. um like isn't the end of the world because like it's not like they're mm-hmm. they're gonna survive. Like they're not right. gonna get themselves killed, but it is like a huge distraction. Um, so that's like a concern. And there there are like a lot of like home situations that we're not aware of and would have no idea about. But like then like I know this past year um, there was uh, like a case where a girl was being held like for pro- like a uh, girl was being prostituted in my yeah. town. And no like it, we're the type of town where no one would have any idea that that's going on. They're like really here, but well, so this is interesting because on one hand, it's got that like small town closeness, mm-hmm. but it's not. But there is a level of kind of distance among people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that like everyone knows like the town drama. Like yes. there, there are those people that everyone like everyone knows who everyone is. I feel like I any classroom I can step in, I can point out a cousin, like, yeah. which is weird. <laughs> um, but I think there are like closed doors for sure um there are like neighborhoods um not that like there are even many neighborhoods in my Mm -hmm. small town but I think um there are definitely issues like going on there we have a ton of police um too so I'm not really sure why well like there's a lot of policing in your town yeah really we have a huge police force Interesting. Mm-hmm. And is there a lot of tension with, like, young people in the police, or is everyone seeing the police as an ally in whatever needs to happen? Um, I mean, I think, like, my knowledge of the police, and 
like dealing with people is speeding ticket wise. Mm-hmm. So like I can't I don't think I can really speak to that too much. But like I mean we had like a, a students against destructive issues and chapter mm-hmm. that I was like president of, which everyone jokes with me about here that I was like <laughs> president of the anti drinking club in high school. <laughs> but so like th- there's a presence and um, it's mostly collaborative from what I saw. Um, but then again like the police like they they're in our schools and they know who the bad kids are and they know what the home lives are like more than others. Interesting. And so when you think about your life after Georgetown, um, I imagine you're not moving back to Lisbon <laughs> anytime soon. But what where do you, what do you think this is like teaching you? What was this all for? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I mean, like my life after Georgetown, I don't want to go back to Lisbon. Um, that was the whole point. But like, I do want to do it. Like, I want to continue this project that I started. That's still really arbitrary. But like, I want to help show people from like doesn't even have to be like vulnerable positions, but like just empower people in like any way I can um, with like through the American dream and the idea of like cycles of poverty and like how do you break the cycle? Um, just because like life's boring if you just live in the town and you marry your high school sweetheart and that's like I mean I guess that's nice and cute and quaint, but like I want to help show people like that there's more that you can do and like we're not limited. So where that's gonna take me, no idea. Would love to like visit Maine in the summer. Sorry, mom. Like I'll come <laughs> see you. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. So I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everyone on the podcast. If there is one thing you wish your professors knew about you, Hmm. what would it be? I mean, it's tough. But, like, I think it would be really helpful to, like, classrooms to for professors to engage. And, like, a professor would ha- probably have little idea that, like, I come from the situation that I come from um, looking at me. So I think that, like, there's a lot of potential in getting to know students better and, like, using them. And, the, like, I remember one day you had us all talk to each other mm-hmm. after something bad had happened. And, like, it's, like, everything bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, I do like to have you guys talk to each other. Yeah. But I think adding that, like, dynamic and understanding of, like, identity, like, that's not visual, like, mm-hmm. identity that, like, is much deeper, like, really reflects on, like, what we can contribute to the classroom and the way, like, our, because, like, it was, like, the last day of class when that girl made that statement that everyone has a choice, and, like, if we would have, I don't know, broken the surface earlier, (laughs) there could have been a lot more learning to be done, if that makes sense at all. It makes perfect sense. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great. That was such a good conversation. Thank you for visiting Office Hours. Office Hours, a podcast, is a production of Dr. Marsha Chatlin and Alex Tyson. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and only the speakers. Join us on social media, on Twitter at Office Hours Pod, and on Instagram on Office Hours Podcast.